Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Today's message, I believe, is going to not only be encouraging and inspiring for you, but it's also going to build your faith. It's going to give you some insight in some areas that you can continually access the grace of God in your life. And by many standards today, uh, the grace of God has been spoken, spoken of as being salvation, as being righteousness, as being these things in which are actually the benefits of our salvation, of who we are, of what God has done for us. The grace of God is an understanding of what God has conveyed to us, broken down in many, many aspects. But we thank God for his grace. That's an action that God does. The grace of God is an action that God does toward us. And we want to not only abide in that grace, live in that grace, because we do desire to receive continued benefit, blessing, promise, and empowerment, all of those wonderful things that come from the grace to help us when we have need and in life, daily life. And let me just say this, and I'm not just talking about when I say need, oftentimes when we think when we have need is, you know, when something's going wrong. Uh, no, it, it literally means that this is a daily thing all the time, 24-7, because we need God in every area of our life. Amen. And so today, come on, if, if you're ready, to just join me here in the Word of God. First of all, I'm going to be talking about these actions of grace. An action of grace is what God gives, what God gives to, towards us. Now, one of these areas today, I want you to look in Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew chapter 6, glory to God. And we're going to begin reading in verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. And this is a very important scripture. You know, one of one of the aspects that Jesus talked about about the kingdom was the kingdom is like leaven. And when you get the word of God sown into you concerning the kingdom of God, that is very important. Uh, you know, the Bible also tells, tells us there's negative type of leaven as well, uh, which is the doctrines of men, the doctrines of devils, things of that nature. Uh, but this is the doctrine of Christ. This is, the, this is the word of God to us today. So I want us to look at this. If you're with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 Jesus said, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, what he is referring to about all these things is he had already said that the Gentiles, they seek after the things they have need of in life. They're living for that. They're working. That's their goal. They're, they, they have their... Uh, targets of how and what life is supposed to bring to them. They have an expectation of what life is supposed to be like for them. Now, in a sense, that's okay. But when it becomes what we serve, it becomes the whether we succeed or not in life, then that can be difficult. The reason why I say that is we've got to be careful that we do not do what Jesus said out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, before he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Look in verse 24 of Matthew 6. It says, no man can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. 
else you will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, what, and it says, nor yet for your body, uh, what you'll put on. Uh, it's not, is not the life, is not life more than the meat and the body and the raiment? So he's saying, isn't, isn't life more than all of these things that the world is working for, saying that this is life? No, he's saying there's a lot more to life than, than just those things. And life begins where the will of God is known, and that comes from faith, that is the knowledge of God. That comes from understanding, knowing him, knowing what he has done for us in Christ, knowing who we are in him, and then living our life in that manner. You know, one of the aspects of this, uh, Pastor Laney just mentioned a minute ago when she was talking about the offering, where she said out of Corinthians, where she said, give, and she was talking there, she said, all grace will abound toward us. The Bible says that in that place where we sow and we reap, there's a connection to how grace can abound, how God, the Bible says, and God will make all grace abound toward us, having sufficiency in all things, having abundance for every good work. So our actions of faith have also a connection to God's actions of grace. Our actions of sowing and reaping, God, the Bible says, will make all grace abound toward us. Well, what kind of grace are we talking about? Well, we're talking about areas of provision because that's what he's talking about. Supply, finance, supernatural favor, insight, leadership, areas that can affect your life in what God is called you to do as far as your works, your work. And so I think this is important. So we want God working in that area. Why is it that the world has taught the church, and oftentimes the church kind of sees it this way. Many people do. <clears throat> you can hear it in their conversation. You hear it in what they believe, uh, where that, okay, God is not concerned about those areas of your life. He's not concerned about your supply, your provision, finance, other things of that nature. Well, that's just not true. Uh, God does want you to prosper in those areas. Uh, the Bible would teaches us emphatically over and over again, and we see that there as well. And we understand it when it concerns the grace. Even Jesus is talking about it here. But that's not what we're serving. Uh, we're not serving mammon. Now, Granted, that can come in to the body of Christ. Uh, it can creep in into certain areas, and that's what we live for now. That's all of our, our goals and everything. No, our goal should be to know him more. Uh, the greatest goal that we have is to be in a relationship with God, to be led of the Spirit, and to do the things that the Bible teaches us concerning the will of God. But at the same time, when we do those areas, and we are seeking his face in everything, when we're talking to him about things, when we're acknowledging him. And I'm going to talk more about this here as we go along. But we don't want to frustrate this grace in our life by what we will refuse to believe or to ask him and talk to him about. 
Uh, he does want to lead you into areas of life where you succeed in areas of life. And I'm not talking about worldly success. I'm talking about in obedience and seeing God's will done. Now, for each and every one of us, that can be different, and that's okay. And we're going to see some more in this teaching as we go along with this understanding because I believe this is going to help you in many areas today. And one of the areas of the second thing I'd like to bring out on this is one of the biggest mistakes teachers can make concerning grace. They claim grace is salvation. They claim grace is righteousness. But no, grace is what God has afforded in his grace, in his conveying. He is conveyed or accounted unto us like he did with Abraham. Romans chapter 3 says, because Abraham believed God, it was accounted unto him. God put it on his account. God graced him with righteousness. So he was righteous before God because he believed him. And I think this is very important. You know, when we become and how we get saved, the Bible tells us that when we hear of Jesus, we believe in him. We believe that he's the son of God. We say, God, save us. God, you are real. God, come into my life. What am I, you know, I, I, I've heard many stories of this and people being saved and giving their heart to God. And what happens is they will say things like, you know, I came an end to myself and then I put my trust in God. Uh, or maybe they heard of Jesus when they were younger, but they didn't acknowledge him in their life. And they just lived their life the way they saw fit being God of their own life. But they thought they were. In reality, they were serving the God of this world. Because there's going to be one master or the other. You'll never be just your own master. And that is something you need to understand. Because we were created. And God created us. Man fell and chose to serve a fallen angel called Lucifer through that process. And the Bible calls him the God of this world. Man has a free will and a choice. God will never force a man or a woman to serve him, to follow him. But he did make, gave us a choice. The Bible even tells us Romans 6, in whom we yield our instruments, our members to, speaking of your body, your soul, your mind, your actions, your ways, your works and your ways. Whomever you submit those to is whose servant you become. And you can either serve sin, and what is that? That sin is where we do it, not acknowledge God in all of our ways. Sin is where that we begin to make up how we see it, how we do it, how we're going to live our life without making Jesus Lord over our lives. Now, the deception is, is that, well, I'm making my own choices. I'm doing this myself. Well, you're going to choose either by the nature of the flesh and the carnal mind, or are you going to choose out of the spirit as a believer? The world, they can do good to a certain level of degree of mental morality and law that is, that is keeping them in a, such a, a, a way that the, the boundaries are set in that manner. But their spirit is separated from the life of God. So the life of God is not in them. Therefore, they cannot do works that are righteous before God, even if they do good works. But good works never attains to the righteousness of God. 
No, what attains to the righteousness of God is faith in Christ, faith in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So when we say, God, come into my life, change me, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, forgive me of sin, I choose to serve you and follow you, then the Bible says that faith in God, that faith in what God has done for us in Christ, that faith in Jesus, what happens is, is then righteousness is accounted to you based upon your act, your first act of faith for salvation. And what is salvation? Well, the Bible tells us that it is the new birth. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are a new creation. Old, old, O-L-D, old things have passed away. All things have become new. A-double-L, all things become new. Well, what happens when you get born again, when salvation has come to you, to you, because every man must be saved. And when a person gets born again, when they are saved, that salvation that takes place, the new birth, they become a new creation. That's why now when we talk about salvation and righteousness, we're talking about our identity in Christ, our identity of who we are today. But see, God didn't save your brain, your memories, or even the actions of your memory. That means your mind and your flesh are still trained to follow lust and the lustful, the pride of life, all of those things. Your flesh is still trained that way because the Bible even says of Jesus in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it tells us that he condemns sin in the flesh. Um, and, but one of the things that we need to understand concerning that is that we no longer uh, are followers after the flesh. If you look at the two verses before verse 3 of Romans chapter 8, it tells us that the Bible says, therefore, there is there no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Who? Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 2, it says, and I love this verse because it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? There's a law, the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life. If you live according to the law of the spirit of life, the world doesn't have that life in them. No, they can do good works, but yet the law of life is not working in them. So the law of sin and death is in the law which reveals sin is there as a moral compass to con contain that. But let me just show you this. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Why? What does that mean? Well, look at verse 3 again. Let's just keep this in context. And it goes on to say, for what the law could not do in that it being weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Look at verse 4. This is beautiful. Verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, they mind or they do or follow after the things of the Spirit. Now, 
One of the understandings here, I, I want to just kind of stop here. The reason why I'm saying that is so important concerning the grace of God. We're talking about grace has been afforded to God's grace. God has imputed righteousness, the Bible says, to you and I because we're in Christ. We're no longer in the flesh, even though we're living in the flesh. And this is the battle that each one of us have. Every person has to bring their flesh under subjection. But it is so difficult to bring your flesh and mind under subjection until you're fully committed to God. I'm going to say that again. It is so difficult for a Christian to live this life until they are fully committed to God. And that is daily. Because you're going to deal with the flesh and with the mind until you bring it under subjection until you bring it under obedience, you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to do that. God's not going to do it for you. He will give you grace to help, and that grace is going to come through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the doctrines of men that are very, is very prevalent in many and some denominations that we have in Christendom, and that is the doctrine of Calvinism, which is a doctrine of predestination or sovereignty of God, in which tells us that, well, some people will be saved, some people won't be saved. Now, some people carry a line of that within their doctrine in many areas. They might say, well, I don't quite believe that when it comes to salvation because we believe that it's to anyone who cries out to God and calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's true. But then they use the same context when it comes to, well, the grace of God is just there and it's going to happen for you or not happen for you. It's all in the sovereignty of God in so many areas of life. And let me just say that that's a man-made doctrine. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, tells us that the law of the Spirit of Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. So this law that is now at work in you works in you by faith or through faith by the grace that has been given to you in salvation. You are going to need to begin to, and I'm telling you, this is something that I learned early on, and I've taught this over and over again, but you're going to have to renew your mind based upon who you are now in Christ Jesus because this is about identity. The grace that's been afforded to you in salvation has changed your identity. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. You need to begin to say what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. 2 Corinthians, C-O-R, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You see that? You see, you are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. This is why it tells us old things. Well, what is that old thing? The old person that you were before you prayed that prayer. You know, something happened in you and you realize that. You realize now that God is, is there and you're building a relationship with him. But you have to... Do this daily. You have to do this at all times. It's not something that you just do and then just kind of go on about your life because that will sustain you for a period of time. But you're going to begin to live after the flesh and after the carnal mind if you don't commit your ways and you don't commit your work unto God. You know, this is something so important because I want you to look at Psalms 37 verse 5. 
Psalms 37, verse 5. It tells us here, it says, we're talking about these actions of grace. Because we want to live in this, the, what's been afforded to us by grace, which is in our salvation and in the blessing and the promises and the things of God. So Psalms 37, 5 says, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Now, this understanding of commit literally means to entrust, put in charge of. This is why the Bible tells us that salvation, if you're going to see it grow, manifest, and be working in your life to a place that you're overcoming and growing and seeing the wonderful things that salvation has afforded to you, all of the blessing of God in those areas of salvation, well, there's going to be an area you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to commit your way unto the Lord. Commit your way. What does it mean to commit your way? Well, it just literally means that now you're going to trust and rely upon. Now, that's... Uh, Understanding that this is predicated by your commitment. Uh, that when you begin to commit your way to God, that you're going to begin to see the benefits of the things that God has said will be yours. But if you don't commit your way, and what is your way? Well, your way is how you live, your character, your attitudes. Uh, you know, your way is the person you are. You know, well, that's just the way they are. Well, commit that way. To God, and you will find many things of your way will begin to change because it might not be pleasing to God, because it might not be something of your worship to God. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, very beautiful scriptures. Won't we read those real quick? Uh, speaking of the renewing of the mind, there, but if you look at the first verses concerning your way, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed. And, and what he means by reasonable service is your reasonable worship. And that's what he's talking about there. He says, he says, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, acceptable unto God, something that pleases God because you're worshiping God with your way. That's what you're doing. You're presenting your body with your way, your actions, your, your thoughts. You know, your thoughts can become actions. And so that's why it's so important. Here, this is what it goes on to say, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is good and acceptable. What is the acceptable things unto God? What is the perfect will of God in your life for a Christian, for a believer. And so there is action. See, oftentimes we, I don't know, maybe people think that, you know, God, salvation being there is just going to just take over and you won't have any temptation. You're not going to have to commit anything. You're just going to now just kind of go through life and everything's just going to work out. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Uh, we're not just saying, well, you know, God, if God wants me to have it, he'll, he'll let me have it. If God wants me to be a certain way, he'll make me that way. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not here, not anywhere. 
understanding that the Bible teaches us that we have to commit our ways and commit our works unto God. That's why the Bible also tells us, it tells us that we acknowledge God in all of our ways and he will direct our steps. But again, we're walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. So there is a difference and you have to learn to choose to make that difference. You have to choose to commit yourself. Commit your way. Put the Lord in charge. Put the word of God over your own. One of the best ways, seeing this is how it's, and I love God. God is so smart. Aren't you glad God is smart? God is smarter than you, smarter than me, smarter than all of us, all forever man and all of mankind that ever will be put together. And science is not as smart as God. None of the things a man is as smart as God. Understanding this, God's ways are so much higher. His thoughts are so much higher. But what's so beautiful is, is he will reveal things to you. He will speak to you. He will guide you. He will lead you in the way, into the truth, into his will, into life, into blessing. If we will do his word. There's a connection to commitment, which is also being obedient. If we're not obedient, but yet we expect the empowerment that comes from grace, then we're just kidding ourselves. Remember what we started this out with, even with an understanding out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where it talks about sowing and reaping. He says, uh, verse 6 tells us what there, it says, you know, if a man sows sparingly, he will reap sparingly. If a man sows bountifully, he'll reap bountifully. It goes on to say that, that God that God will make all grace abound toward us because we have a connection of our actions of trust in him. See, that's what commitment is, is beginning to trust God. That's why the Bible says, speaking of Abraham, that he believed God. He believed God. If you believe God, then you'll do God. You'll do the things that God's ways, God's ideas, not man's ways, not man's system, not these doctrines of men and, and how things are done and oftentimes in Christendom today and other areas. And it's been going on for since the time uh, immortal, so to speak, man making his own way, following after his own desire instead of following after the things in the word and the will of God, following at the world system. Uh, it's so important today first that we commit our ways to God. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your works unto the Lord. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Isn't that beautiful? If you commit your work, then your thoughts, your plans, the ideas will begin, begin to get established. You know, one of the ways I see this as well, if you think about this, is it literally is talking about the darkness You'll have clarity in the darkness that's around you. You'll begin to see what others don't see. You'll begin to understand your, your, the work that you need to do and how to accomplish it because now you're not just trusting in your own ability. Now you're accessing God's grace for the things that you're doing in life and working in life and the areas of your works now are committed unto God. And God will lead you. God will guide you. He will help you. He will, there'll be grace there. Uh, to do those works, to perform those works. Even Paul the Apostle said concerning his apostleship and ministry, he said, it's not I that do the works, it is the grace of God that's doing it. He says, it's no longer I that labor, but it's the grace of God that's laboring in and through me. Why? Because he committed it. 
And there were times where he wanted things to change. He didn't like the way it was going. And he had to continually go back and allow to put the grace of God. The Bible even says there was a time, I think it was in, in 1 Corinthians 12, might be 2 Corinthians 12, but either way, he prayed and he was asking God, he said this, he said, God, I need this thing to change. If you want to see me succeed, and this was his desire, you want to see this to succeed and everything, God, you're going to have to uh, stomp the devil from attacking me and from doing these things and, and buffeting me and the things that when I go to preach, there was a buffeting. Uh, there was things people were trying to subvert the gospel and the doctrine and everything else through the doctrines of men, the doctrines of devils and, and, and calling him a liar, calling him all kinds of things. And, and the Bible says he prayed three times and Jesus answered him and said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is going to, speaking of Jesus, he said, his strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. So see, we can't share in the glory of God and the things that God does in our life. No, we just need to give him the glory. God causing me to do this. God's causing me to prosper. God's going to cause me to have good success. God's causing my marriage to work. God's going to cause me to succeed as a father, as a mother. God's going to cause me to do it. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's doing it. Come on. We don't want to share the glory and what the grace that he's provided for us. No, we just say, no, it's God that's doing it. It's his grace. It's that which he's enabled me, that apostleship that is causing that the work, that gift that God has given. It's not I that's doing it. No, it's his work in and through me. And that will work for you in every area of your life, in your work. It will work for you in every area of your life. But first, there has to be a full commitment. Commitment. Putting your trust in God in every area. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.